Hey, y'all, before we jump into this episode, I want to tell you about today's sponsor, Faithful Counseling. As y'all know, we talk about counseling on No Matter What a lot. There have been several seasons in my life where seeing a licensed therapist has been pivotal to my personal growth and overall well-being. And a question I get all the time is how to start counseling and even where to find a trusted counselor in your area. And while the answer to that question used to be kind of long and complicated, I am so excited to now be able to tell you about Faithful Counseling. The three things I love most about Faithful Counseling, one, it's super easy to start your account and to start getting the help you need in whatever season you're facing. Faithful Counseling assesses your needs and matches you with your own licensed professional therapist in under 24 hours. You can send them messages, set up weekly video or phone sessions, and if you need to, you can switch your counselor at any time for no cost. Two, it's way more affordable than traditional counseling rates. And three, and probably most important to me, you know that you're talking to a certified traditional therapist, but also to someone who is a fellow believer and can talk to you from a faith perspective. And right now, Faithful Counseling is offering 10% off your first month. Just go to faithfulcounseling.com slash no matter what, all one word, no matter what. I've said it before and I'll say it again, going to counseling has been pivotal for my own personal growth and well-being. And now I am so grateful to know about Faithful Counseling so I can refer no matter what listeners to their service. Again, it's faithfulcounseling.com slash no matter what to get 10% off your first month of service. And now let's jump into today's episode. Welcome to No Matter What. I'm Hannah Seymour, and this podcast is all about being who God created you to be no matter what, no matter your past, your current circumstances, no matter your relationship status, your career journey, no matter what life throws at you. Each episode, I invite a friend to talk about what that actually looks like to be who God created you to be no matter what. Well, y'all, this is already too much has already happened. (laughs) Welcome to No Matter What. You know who I am. This is part two. This, this is actually already part, part one, two. I am in the studio with Hope Darst, and we probably already, re- I mean, we didn't really record it, but had like an hour conversation prior to recording. And the whole time we're talking, I'm thinking, we should be we recording. just been rolling already. Um, so Hope and I just met, but I already feel like, you know, she's a lifelong friend. I know. We have, this is very true. We have way too, way too many friends too many in friends. common. That we, it's sad. You know what? I'm offended at all of our friends. <laughs> Who had not introduced us. us. By yeah. now, all of our friends are listening. This is your fault. Yeah. We have not been friends yeah. up until now. Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm just They're kidding. sorry. I know they They're are. They're sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. We're just going to fix that <laughs> moving forward. <laughs> okay, y'all, let me tell you a little bit about Hope, and then we're really going to dive into her story. So Hope has been a songwriter and worship leader for years. She is a mom and a wife, and she just came out with her debut album as an artist called Peace Be Still. And um, you may have heard the song sung by Lauren Daigle, Peace Be Still, but on her album, of course, it's the title track and she's singing it. And (laughs) I... I have to say, I don't know if anyone's ever said this to you. I think there is like a tinge in the best way of Celine Dion in your voice. You could not compliment me more. <laughs> okay, no, great. I mean, I'm an, I'm an 80s baby. It was born in 80. Yes. So you got a Matt Silbeck, 92. I'm 12. This yeah. is like the era of, of Celine. Celine Dion, Mariah Carey, yes. like that whole genre. So like yes. Celine for me was so 
pivotal in like she was a voice that I was emulating. You know what I mean? Like today they're emulating other artists, but that would have been the voice that I was emulating. So like legitimately you could not compliment (laughs) me. Well, you have, there's a clarity to your tone Mm. that, I mean, she just has that. Yeah, I mean, factor. I and mean, some people say it can be a little abrasive sometimes. So no, I, have I to, like it. I have to work really it. hard on not getting too like pointed. But yeah, I mean, I just no. I love. It. I got to see her live. Oh, you did last year. I, there's at one point my friend posted a story of me at the concert, literally losing my mind. I look <laughs> like a crazy. Did you, cry? Did you weep? I. I weep. I cried. I fell on the floor. I, I think I was dancing. I was jumping. Mm -hmm. I, there was times that I didn't even know what emotion I was feeling because they were all happening. It was like a church service. It was just, I don't even understand. (laughs) She videotaped me and like posted it. And she was like, she texted me. She was like, you literally look crazy. And I was like, jury's out. You know, Hey, I can't, I can't help it. You love who you love. But yeah, she's just, I mean, the fact that she's in her fifties and she could dance and sing circles around the best, youngest, like most fit people today. It's, it's mind blowing. It's mind blowing. She's a legend. So thank you. I will take that compliment and run a million miles with it. I mean, y'all, if you haven't listened to Hope's album, you need to go. We're going to talk about it more at the end. But this album, it it is an incredible album. And I don't just say that because you. you are sitting in here, you know, making eye contact with me. It is. It even is, if you are, I still receive that no, compliment. No, it is an incredible album. So if you have not listened, go to wherever you listen, stream by Hope Darst, Peace mm. Be Still. You will be blessed. You will weep. I can't, I can't I so. not. I can't not listen. I mean, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. There was definitely a lot of weeping that went into making this. I'm record. sure. So Writing I would it, hope recording that it. as people listen, not that I want you to make you guys cry, but I want to make you feel something. Yes, for sure. And I mean, we had this running kind of joke, but it wasn't a joke. The very last song on the record called "Start Over." Yeah, and. I wrote it in a really difficult season. We might talk about that later. We won't go too heavy right now, but I wrote it in a really, really hard season, unexpected hard season. Okay. And um, long story short, when we finished and I turned in the, the like demo and I was telling my team, I was like, I want to put this on the record. I said, here's the thing. I was like, if this does not make us cry, <laughs> then we failed <laughs> because it's such a vulnerable song. Yeah. And so I was like, if it can't make people cry, then like then we would we'll just pass. What, yeah. just, what are we doing? Yeah. So it was the greatest compliment when, when people were like, well, I can't get song- through that song without yeah. crying because yeah. I think crying is really such a good thing. Oh yeah. I mean, I just think crying is so therapeutic and yeah. I also think crying can, I mean, obviously crying is, can be a place of real pain and grief yes, for sure. But yes. I also think a lot of times crying is like an outward expression of giving permission to your soul yeah. to feel that which you've not maybe wanted to mm. acknowledge. Mm. And I think when that happens in the presence of God, it, yes. it creates such a vulnerability to yes. allow God into like maybe a space that's been closed off or reserved yeah. or, or you didn't even know yeah. was there. Yeah. And I think that that has, at least in my journey, those have been the moments where I've just experienced deep like love and healing yes. and redemption for things. And so, I mean, that was kind of the goal of the record that every song <laughs> Well, well, it does. Then every song would lead you to a moment where you could be vulnerable. Yes. With God, no yes. matter what that was, every song, there's a reason behind it. Like yes. it was, everything's very intentional because that each song I wrote in a season yeah. 
where I had to say that song to get through that season. Yes. It wasn't a record that like we didn't like go in the studio and be like, let's have a fast song and then let's have a slow song. And yeah. then da, da, da. like, no, I wrote this record over several, several years yeah. of my own life and my own journeys. Yeah. And they were the songs that I had to write to yeah. walk through something. And so when I put, you know, put the record together, the hope was that it takes you on a journey of real life. Yes. And at the end of every song, maybe it's given words to the journey that you're in yeah. and leaves yeah. you with the hope that, you know, God's actually going to meet me here. Yeah. God's actually going to fulfill his word. Yeah. He is actually faithful. Yes. He does keep his promises. Yes. Like it's like, this is not the end, like whatever I see yeah. right now. And yeah. even if I can't see all of what God's doing, like, I'm just going to hold on and trust yes. that he's there. So, yes. you know, that's, yes. that's, I, I mean, that's the record. That is the record. And I, we have some friends that I tease with, like some people when they worship, they're like jumping up and down and so happy and clapping and <laughs> dancing and whatever. And I'm like 99% of the time when I worship, I'm like weeping. Like I want to be the person that's like dancing and like waving a flag and like using a tambourine, but I am not, I'm on the floor, yeah. like, mm-hmm. like ugly crying. Yeah. I either don't, you know, I have to wear like waterproof everything when oh. I go to church because yeah, for sure. Anyway, so I've given up on mascara when I lead worship Yeah, from this point so, on. This so this album, I, it's <laughs> just you. beautiful and worshipful and I love it okay so what I so Hope and I were talking forever before we started recording just like what do you even (laughs) want to talk about um and so what I want to talk to you about Hope is really the journey that Mm -hmm. you have gone through of freedom of um identity in Christ and not in the wrong thing of um Hope how we experience hardships and disappointments okay so but I want to start because we you don't know this about me yet but I know this about you you grew up in Kentucky as a pastor's kid I am also a pastor's kid well I guess maybe you didn't know that but yes so like pastor's kids unite and I we all come to an understanding really quickly I think with each other of like oh so you were raised in home where you knew truth but there still is a journey that you have to go on to to understand Mm -hmm. and to own it as your truth or to choose to not own it as your truth anyway so I mean you grew up as a pastor's kid you grew up singing at the age of like four as did I which I think is most pastor's daughters like yes Yes. I mean my mom was like literally like you sang before you talked like I just came out of the womb singing and And so they hand you a mic on stage because oh for sure I mean I literally was in preschool I think I was in pre-k and it was like I was either like three or four and like the director called my mom and she was like we've never had a kid this young do a solo (laughs) but we really feel like um since hope comes in every single morning and sings to the entire class yeah I literally would get on a chair at like three and four years old and lead my entire preschool into some like Sunday school song. And they're like, we feel like maybe she's confident <laughs> enough to like handle this solo. So my very first maybe performance she was, was born to be a worship I know leader. it was Susie's yeah. the snowflake and from rumor has it, I nailed it. So, you know, I'm confident that <laughs> but you I'm did. just laughing that like, even at three years old, it took me 25 years to figure out what I was actually really supposed to be doing mm-hmm. with the gifts that God had given uh-huh. me. But even at three years old, I look back now and go like, oh my gosh, like it was actually just trying to come out. Yeah. I just wasn't, you know, I'm sorry. I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. Totally. totally. I mean, I also, at the same time, I also may or may not have like taken a bag, like a little purse of rocks and actually hit a little girl when she tried to steal my Casio piano that I used <laughs> to lead these kids in leading worship and then you got know. kicked out of the preschool. Yeah. That also happened. Yeah. So guys don't There's get, don't get a picture wrong. <laughs> like, I was, 
I was working on my salvation. <laughs> Even at three. Yeah, there's a balance. There's for a sure. balance. Yeah. For sure. Okay. So tell us about, I mean, you're raised in the church. Yeah. But then um, I think your bio says like by the age of 19, mm-hmm. you were lost. Oh, I was a wreck. Yeah. By 19. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think you kind of hit it. I, I think there's something really beautiful and really wonderful. I mean, I'm raising my kids this way. We are believers. We are, yeah. you know, we are in a culture and a, and a community of believers. Yeah. Like, right. So Jesus and the tenets of our faith and being people that we are constantly going, we want to actually live according to the word of God and love God and love people that completely is our worldview. Right. Yeah. And it's influencing our worldview. Yeah. And I grew up in that and I'm so grateful for it. Yes. And I wouldn't, change that for the world. Yeah. But I think what I can look back now and understand is so much of my, my exposure to it very early on, um, was just, okay, this is what I believe. Yeah. This is the culture that I'm, yeah. I'm in and I, and I believe it and I didn't question it. Um, but it also kept me from digging in a little bit mm-hmm. and going, why do I believe this? That's right what does this require of my life? Mm. What does this actually require of like, how am I going to live? I think I didn't understand maybe the process of, and this is something that I've come to know and understand later, but I believe to be a Christ follower, you have to ask yourself, where is the death of Christ alive in my life? Yeah. I think that was a a very hard thing to ask myself at five. So I, (laughs) you're right. You know, I'm asking those questions later in life, but I think my genuine response to sin and salvation, the fact that I could recognize, okay, sin separates us from Jesus. Jesus came as the one to pay the atonement for our sins. He died on the cross and resurrected. So that price has been paid. And if I choose to follow Jesus Christ then I don't have to be separated from him, yeah. Okay. I'm Got in. it. Got it. Yeah. Believe it. I yep. still believe that yep. at 40 years old. Yeah. But understanding the difference between salvation and sanctification. Oh yeah. And the journey from I'm accepting you now as my savior and my Lord, and then walking out freedom. That was a much more complicated journey. For yes. Me. Yes. And so what I found was that as the years went by, by the time I was in middle school, by the time I was in high school, really struggling yeah. with identity. I, you know, I was a very passionate person from the get-go, very opinionated. I was a strong personality. Plus I had a very external gifting Mm -hmm. that kind of led the way, if you want to, or it was kind of like the thing that was most in front about my life. And that created a very performance-based kind of mentality. Like I think also being a pastor's kid that can seep into your thinking and very quickly you can subconsciously be in a works mentality and not even realize that you're operating from works and not grace and mercy. And so I think by the time I was, you know, probably 12, 11 or 12, um, I just, I had so much self-hatred, so much self-loathing. Um, you know, I, I wasn't, I didn't help myself for the fact that I also like chose at a bowl cut, um, <laughs> wearing very, very oversized clothes. But did you choose um, that for yourself? I did. I actually, oh, okay. I okay. actually did use this okay. haircut. My mom warned me. Okay. I didn't listen to her. Oh, mom um, okay. you can't see me, but I have very dark hair. I come from my whole lineage is Welsh, Italian, 
French, and Guatemalan. So basically, I come from a long line of just hairy people. Um, and, you know, by the time I was 11, like, I had, like, a mustache going on. Oh I wasn't into waxing. My mom didn't think that I should be wax. You know, so, so I wasn't funny. helping myself with, yeah. like, the haircut, yeah. the mustache. And yeah. I was, you could just, I wasn't really yeah. the cutest girl on the block. <laughs> And, and a strong personality on top of that. Yeah. And so, you know, and yeah. people were very quick to let me know those things. And so very young, I experienced being rejected. I yeah. experienced bullying. Yeah. I experienced yeah. very just things that people still deal with today, their kids are dealing with. And so I just started buying lies. Honestly, I just started buying into lies that all those things were true about me. And I didn't have a strong enough faith, I think, to then go run back to the word of God and just go, no. Like, I'm not going to buy that lie. I'm yeah. going to buy the truth. I yeah. actually bought the lies. And yeah. even though I knew the truth, yeah. I still chose to buy the lie yeah. instead of yeah. rejecting it and buying the truth. Okay, time out right there. How do you help someone? Because I think a lot of us are buying lies and we don't even realize. We know the I truth. Still, yes. We know the truth, we know but the we're truth. buying. So how do we become aware mm-hmm. of the lies that we are buying and sticking to our bodies? Well, I think when you actually have to know the word of God, yeah, you, you actually yeah. have to be willing to dig wells for your own life that you go and you get in the word of God and you actually allow his word to be written on the tablet of your yeah. heart, like yeah. literally tattooed yeah. so deeply in your soul yeah. that when something comes at you, that is a lie that feels like it's rooted in truth. Yep. Right. Because yep. the truth was there were actual people telling me you are ugly. You are too much. You are not liked. You are not wanted. That was actually happening. So yeah. it wasn't like I was making up something. Yeah. This was happening in the natural, in real circumstance, real time. Yeah. I then have to take that against the word of God and go, what does God say about me? Mm-hmm. Okay. So now I have two different true things that I could believe. I can believe what they're saying yeah, or I can believe what God's saying. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, one of the questions you have to ask yourself is which one's going to lead to life? Mm. Mm. Yeah. If I believe their truth, how is that going to bring life to me? Mm-hmm. To believe that I'm rejected, I'm not wanted, I'm not seen, that is not going to take me down a path right. that's going to be productful. That's going to take me down a path that's going to lead to more self-hatred more self-loathing, yeah. more insecurity, yeah. or I can choose to buy this truth, mm-hmm. which is what Jesus is saying, that I'm the head and not the tail, mm-hmm. that I am as precious as rubies, that he has a hope and a future for me and yeah. it is not to harm me, yeah. that he has said that I have access to everything that he's ever yeah. given me, that he has promised me long, like I can choose to believe this, that mm-hmm. he knew me before I was even formed in my mother's womb yep. and there was a purpose for my life yep. that I am called a son and a daughter that I've been accepted. I'm an inheritance to Christ. Like you have to know these promises. Yeah. Otherwise the lie is just so easy to believe. Yeah. And then you have to say, well, if I believe that, where's that going to lead me? That's probably going to lead me down a path that leads to confidence that Jesus is actually for me and he loves me. And that's much harder to do than like, it's not just the simple self-talk. Right. Like it's actually, you have to dig in and you have to read his word and you have to say it over yourself and you have to pray it. And you have to, one of the things that I think you have to do is you have to say it till you believe it, Mm -hmm. which means you have to say it when you don't feel it. Yeah. Yeah. You actually say it and confess it and read it 
long before it feels true Mm -hmm. or it will never become true. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we get trapped in, but this feels true. Oh, totally. So I'm going to camp out here. And just so you know, that is the tactic of the enemy. Oh, yeah. The tactic of the enemy is to feed you a lie and then bring evidence to back that lie up. Evidence in your own mind, in your own thought life, or evidence in the natural. So you're rejected through a relationship, you're rejected through your job, you're rejected through whatever, or you find yourself in a health crisis, or you experience loss and death and grief and all of those things. They are part of a broken world, but they're also, the enemy uses those moments and he goes, see, I told you so. I told you no one loved you. I told you God wouldn't come through. I told you, just listen. And so it's, it's a constant, this thing might be true, but the word of God is truth. That's right. And when I chose to be a follower of Christ, it meant that I was choosing to say, I'm going to believe the truth. Yeah. Even if it confronts what feels true. That's right. Like I actually am surrendering my rights to define truth. Mm. I'm choosing. That's a really good word. I feel like in this cultural climate of, you know, well, what's your truth? Share my truth. And you know, there, there is no, your, I mean, I guess there is your and mine, but it's not real truth. Well, all I would say to that is that is perfectly fine. For you to go down that path, <laughs> but it doesn't mean that it's the truth of God. That's and right. His word. That means that is a truth that you are subscribing to and that you are building your life upon, but it isn't actually what I believe is the way, the truth and the life. That's right. Yeah. And they are two different yeah. things. Yeah. And I, I honestly just wish people would be more honest about it. I yeah. wish people would say, well, this is now what I believe true, but it is not actually part of the Christian tenets or the Christian sure. faith. Yeah. That. Uh, you know, and it's, again, it goes back to what I said earlier. Where is the death of Christ alive in your life? Yeah. Mm-hmm. As followers of Christ, yeah. we are called to look and act and have our being the way Jesus did. Mm-hmm. And Jesus literally surrendered his life unto death yeah. so that you and I could live as Christ. Yeah. And the question that you yeah. have to ask yourself is if I'm a follower of Christ, is death alive in my life? Is there anything that I'm actually putting to death? My self-will, my self-desires, my sin. Mm -hmm. Like, do I actually even think that my behavior is Mm -hmm. sin? Am I willing Mm -hmm. to call it sin? Am Mm -hmm. I willing to give it up? Am I willing to acknowledge that I'm selfish in an area? Am I willing to lay my dreams down? If God asked me to, if you can't look at your life and see that there's somewhere yeah. That you are letting something die in order for Christ to live yeah. in you. Yeah. That are you a follower of Christ? Yes. Yeah. Like it's a hard yeah. question, but he literally calls us yeah. to, to lose one's life. Oh, that's good. It's to gain yeah. eternal life. It's yeah. to gain something that's so much greater. And yeah. my story, my whole journey has been the constant coming into seasons and valleys and having to go, am I willing to let something die here? Mm. Am I willing to let disappointment die here? Am I willing to let grief die here? Mm -hmm. Am I willing to let entitlement die here? Am I willing to let anxiety and depression die here? Am I willing to let lies that I've believed die here? Mm -hmm. Am I willing to let the pursuit of 
dreams and fulfillment mm-hmm. and, and wanting to feel seen and validated and my ego stroked, am I willing to die to that Yeah. in order for God to actually step in to do something that's greater? And I have, I've, I've actually had to walk out yeah. the dying of self yeah. over and over and over and over. And it's always proven. It has always proven to bring me to a place of freedom that I didn't even know I needed yeah. or more freedom yeah. in an area where I needed more freedom. And yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't aware of it. Yeah. And, and so I know we kind of sidebar, but at 19, that was kind of like the first moment of mm-hmm. me going, Oh my gosh, I'm living my life for myself. Like I'm calling myself a Christian, yep. but in reality, I am even at 19, yep. I'm, I'm basically in a relationship that's not honoring God. Mm-hmm. Like we're skirting around all the technicalities oh, yeah. Yeah. of what would be Christian, yep. you know, thought process, yep. right? You know, we're, we're just skirting by, yep. I'm, I'm depressed. Yeah. I'm, I have an eating disorder. Yep. I'm, I'm running into the bathroom. I'm a freshman in college. I'm running into the bathroom. I'm throwing up every meal that I can without anybody knowing I'm in this relationship. That's not honoring God at all. Um, in the sense of we were technically doing purity, yeah. but not really, yeah, yeah. if you know what I mean, yeah. like we're just trying to get off by technicalities yeah. and, I'm, I'm also just insecure. I have anger issues. I have unforgiveness that I'm not dealing with. I mean, just Mm -hmm. you name it. And I'm, I'm really broken. Yeah. And that relationship falls apart. And I find myself kind of at this moment of crisis. And in my mind, I'm going, God, you don't work. Yeah. My experiences have told me that. My experiences have told me that being a Christian has led me to this place. I'm not wanted in relationships. No man wants to marry me. I'm depressed. I have an eating disorder. I'm insecure. So how is Christianity even working? Yeah. And I'll never forget. I moved to Nashville for the summer. It's a a longer story, but I end up in this service and this man is preaching this message and I'm sitting there and I can hear God just speaking to my spirit and he's going, I know you think that I don't work. But the truth of the matter is you've actually never done life my way. Mm -hmm. And now that life isn't working out, you want to shake your fist at me, Hope. But you actually haven't lived according to the way that I've called you to live. Mm -hmm. And therefore, you have not experienced abundant life. Mm -hmm. You haven't experienced healing and freedom in those areas. But if you will come follow me with your whole heart, Meaning every decision that you make, every desire that you have, every opinion that you hold, every place of hurt and unforgiveness, and you will turn it over to me and allow me to actually be your Lord and Savior, I will walk you into freedom. Mm -hmm. And I remember just running down at the end of that service to this pastor and just going, I think that message was for me. I feel like I've just... I've thought I was doing this, but I don't think I'm really doing this the way that God's asked me to do it. Mm. Now, do I believe that I was saved? Yeah, because I do believe it at that young age, that prayer was pure and it was true. And every intention of my heart was right. But there is a difference. I think that there's this beautiful stage within Jesus. I think that there is salvation. Yep. I think there is lordship. And then I think there is husbandry. And I think sometimes some people get all of that at once. Yep. Like they just, yep. the revelation hits all at once. Yep. And then I think for others, it's a process. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was definitely salvation. Very young. It was lordship at 19. Mm-hmm. And then in my thirties, it became husbandry, which mm-hmm. there's this beautiful 
passage where God actually talks about that, where he's like saying, I think it's in, it's in Hosea where he's talking about, um, you've, he literally says, you've known me as your savior and you've known me as your Lord, mm. but now I am bring, I'm bringing you into the wilderness so that you will know me as your husband, mm. the one who satisfies every wow. area of your life and, wow. and brings you into complete freedom and wholeness. And I think that mm, wow. journey is where I've been later in life. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, 19 to 13 was a lot of years mm-hmm. of then that thing that happened at 19. Mm-hmm. Love me with all your desires, all your opinions. Like you have to be willing to surrender mm-hmm. all of it. And then for the next, well, up until now, this has been the journey of me going, Oh my gosh, I have to actually live this out. Yeah. Like, like where, where I was once a slave. Yeah to my feelings and my emotions. And let me just say, that's been a big journey of yeah. being a slave to my feelings and my emotions sure. my whole life. Sure. Um, and I think that's glorified in this culture. But I think the yeah. truth of the matter is, if you are a slave to anything other than Christ, yeah. then you're in bondage, Yeah, which is why we have a Savior that's come to set us free. Yeah. And the only place that you can be a slave and yeah. find true freedom is being a slave unto Jesus. Just want to interrupt this conversation for a second to tell you about my 25-day Bible study guides. And this month, I released a new study called 25 Days in Philippians. In Philippians, Paul teaches us that joy comes not as the result of external conditions, but from internal confidence that God is at work and in control. And I don't know about you, but I need that reminder that my joy comes from my internal confidence that God is at work, that he's in control, that he is always good, not from my external conditions. I would love for you to join me 25 days in Philippians this month. You can learn more at hannahseymour.com or check out some of my other 25 days in Bible book plans. Okay. But I mean, you have this experience and during a 30 minute sermon, probably on a Sunday (laughs) and God reveals himself to you in a new way Mm -hmm. that you understand for the first time. And then what does that practically look like to live (laughs) out? Because I think there are a lot of people listening right now that are going, oh, that kind of sounds like me. Never really thought about that. Mm -hmm. I've been safe forever. Mm -hmm. But I mean, one of the, I'm like taking notes as Hope is talking, (laughs) aren't you? Um, And one thing I wrote down is what does this require of my life? I I think in another day, another time, you and I will talk about this (laughs) offline, but I used to work with college students and then I started volunteering with high school students Mm because I realized I was watching college students walk away from their faith because they didn't know why they believe Mm -hmm. what they believed. And Mm -hmm. so, I mean, literally since like 2002, I've been like, we've got to help people understand why they believe what they believe, Mm -hmm. but I hope I've been missing half of the equation. And I just learned that from you (laughs) because it's, it's not just because that's just, I think, loving the Lord with all of your mind. Yes. But when we choose to follow Christ, it's mind, heart, body, and soul. And it requires a lot. It requires more than we understand. I mean, do it requires you, something every day. It Here's the craziest thing about our faith. It's a free gift. Yeah. Yeah. It's a free gift. Yeah. Right. That Christ has paid the price for. It was a very, very, very high price. Yeah. This gift of salvation. Yeah. It required death. Yeah. So he dies and offers this free gift. And this is what I love about Jesus. 
he is the most inclusive that there is because everyone gets this invitation. That's right. There is no yeah. one that does not get this invitation. Yeah. He is exclusive. Mm. When he says, once you've accepted the invitation, mm -hmm. there is exclusivity and how you live this out yep. and you honor yep. the price that was paid for your life. Yeah. The purchase that was made for yeah. you. Yeah. And you only get all the benefits mm. if you're willing mm -hmm. then to actually come and partake mm -hmm. of it at a very costly price. Mm -hmm. It's a free gift at first, mm. but then once you're in, this costs you your life. Mm -hmm. This costs you everything. Yeah. When I say everything, I mean everything. Yeah. This literally does cost you your emotions, yeah. your feelings, your yep. thought life, your body. Yep. It means that you actually have to die to those things. Yeah. Yeah. On a daily basis. Yeah. It literally means like this week, I'm hearing the Holy Spirit talk to me about my mouth which is a really funny thing because my whole life is about my mouth. <laughs> it always has been. And I feel like God has just been going, there are some areas with your mouth that I want to hone in. Mm. And I have to then like go, oh, like, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. I didn't really think that was a big deal. Mm -hmm. I don't think that that's like that big of a deal, right? Like in my own, just yeah. like I haven't been thinking yeah. it was a big deal or it wouldn't even be an issue that God's right. bringing up in my spirit. Right. And I kid you not, everywhere I look this week, I'm coming in contact with a scripture, a post or something, and it's reiterating the very thing that the Holy Spirit is asking me to do with my mouth. And so I'm going with the words that come out of my mouth. I should say that more specifically. And so I have a choice now. Mm -hmm. I have a choice to ignore that. Mm -hmm. Or I have a choice to say, oh, I surrendered to you. Mm -hmm. And I chose to live according to what you've asked me to live. Mm -hmm. And this is in your word and you're asking this of me. So that means I have to do this. Mm -hmm. And that may actually require repentance. It will require repentance. Yeah. It may require me having to pick up the phone and call someone mm -hmm. and say, I need to repent and apologize because I said something I shouldn't have said in that moment yeah. or the tone of my voice or this, but whatever it is, I'm going to have to now yeah. actually walk that out. Yeah. And it always starts. I do believe with repentance, no matter what, of going, I'm sorry I bought into that lie. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry that I've I've allowed this to become an issue and I didn't I didn't recognize it sooner. Mm -hmm. And the beautiful thing about Jesus is the minute we repent, yeah. I love it's thrown yeah. into the sea of forgetfulness. Yeah. He doesn't hold on to no. it the way you and yeah, I do. Praise God. Thank God he has a supernatural memory and yes. loss of memory. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and he just wipes the slate clean. And so this is what happens. At 19, this is what happens. I had to choose then, okay, my identity has been in what I do yep. and in who loves me and who doesn't love me up yep. until this point. So how do I, how do I let go of that? Because yep. it's clearly not working for me. Yep. So there's a scripture that says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind yep. through some, some, I think say through the washing of the word or the covering mm -hmm. of the word. And so I literally in that season at 19, went, okay, well, my mind and my feelings yeah. don't do what God's word say. Yeah. So in order to transform yep. what I think, to transform what I feel that will eventually play itself out into my actions and my behaviors, yep. I'm actually going to have to go wash my mind 
through the word of God. Uh This is going to have to be a cleaning season. And the only way to clean this thing out is through the word of God. And so I literally (laughs) was writing scripture after scripture after scripture I could find on every issue that I was having. If it was an identity issue, if it was a purity issue, if it was mm. just whatever it was. And I was just scouring the scriptures mm. and I would, I had them everywhere. I had them on my dashboard. I had them on my bathroom mirror. Mm. I had, I mean, it was just a constant until my thinking and my feelings begin to line up with your word. Yeah. Then we've got work to do. Yeah. And nothing's changed. Yeah. Like I'm still, that is literally what I'm doing this week. When the Holy Spirit began to highlight this issue, what did I do? I started pulling out scriptures that literally say, okay, this is who I want to be because this is who you've called me to be. So now I have to read the scripture and meditate on God's word and allow this thing to transform me and be my identity. And I want to say this because I've had seasons where that's really hard. Yeah. Yeah. I've had seasons where I was reading scripture that was correcting my behavior and the weight of my own failure or the weight of my own sin was so overwhelming Mm -hmm. that shame wanted to be the thing that actually rose up and just shut me down and would make me go very insular, isolate, not want to be around people. And I remember I would read certain scriptures and just be like, I'm so shameful of who I am. That is the enemy. Mm. You need to know that where Jesus comes in is in a, is in a spirit of conviction that leads to restoration. So a conviction that says, this is wrong behavior. I shouldn't be doing this. Here's God's word. He's just, he's highlighting what is wrong. Yep but he's leading me to life. And so then you have to look through that scripture of, even though I'm not this yet, I'm going to declare this over my life until something shifts. And I believe that that's who I am. Do not allow the enemy to then overwhelm you when you read it and you go, but I am the liar. I am Mm -hmm. the immoral. I am the thief. I Mm -hmm. am the adulterer. Mm -hmm. I am the double-minded person. Mm -hmm. I am the, this, and then go take that on as your identity. Okay. That's a behavior. Yeah. That's something sin that we get trapped in, but our identity. We're new creations. Is we're new creations. Yeah. That we have been actually set free because Jesus says whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And so I have to actually declare God's identity over myself until my behaviors, Mm -hmm. until my thought life, till my Mm -hmm. actions come in line Mm -hmm. with who God has actually said that I Mm -hmm. am. And in that chasm of process, it can be really easy Mm -hmm. for shame to want to overwhelm us. And I think that this is why it's really, 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 really important to be in community with other believers and to not allow your process to be just private. Yeah. You have to actually get someone in this process with you and say, I'm struggling with this. And because I'm struggling with this, I'm really struggling with feeling terrible about myself Mm -hmm. or I'm struggling, not believing that I'll ever change or whatever that is. This is why community is so important because so often our thought life is, is our downfall. And until we start talking about it out loud, Mm -hmm. either with God himself or with pastors or friends or community leaders or whatever that is. Yeah you can't hear sometimes the ridiculousness of what you're saying or thinking or feeling. Yeah, that's right. You know, and so that has been massively pivotal Mm -hmm. in my life Mm -hmm. of allowing people into the journey. And let me tell you, that's not easy. (laughs) 
it is not easy to just have to say to someone way harder. Like this week, I literally, when the Holy Spirit started convicting me, I had to look at my husband and like I had to confess something that I had said that I, I shouldn't have said. Yeah. And I, I that feeling of Oof. just like, oh, I don't want to own yeah. this out loud. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't want to say this out yeah. loud. Yeah. Like, and he's like the safest person to do it to because he promised to be with you forever. Yeah. So he's and not I like he's going to walk don't away. Do, I still I don't want to do it. I know. And of course he looks at me and he goes, okay, well, repent <laughs> and then move on. I'm like, bless. That sound so <laughs> yeah. But I mean, there's truth in that yeah. because he's like, he's able to look at that. And so, you know, that has been the process of my life. Just, yeah. You were asking, sorry, I know we've like, no, I love it. Gone all over the place. That's but what really we do on the show. at yeah. 19, that's, that really became such a foundation hmm. for me yeah. of like, how am I going to tackle these seasons moving forward? And some seasons I did it better than others. Yeah. Some seasons I did not. Yeah. Like I really just struggled yeah. to then go back to that place. You know, when I was in my thirties, um, I was, well, I guess my late twenties, I was dealing with, I was about three years into marriage and we through a long kind of series of events ended up at an infertility clinic because we, we realized we, we, we were not able to get pregnant on our own. Mm. And, you know, I remember sitting in, in the doctor's office and at that same season, kind of over the next three years of us walking out in fertility and, you know, spoiler alert, God intervened, did a miracle. We have two beautiful children and, but it was a really long journey and, yeah. and we ended up conceiving naturally, which is not the case for yeah. so many people. Yeah. And according to my doctor was impossible Miraculous. for us. He yeah. was like, you have less than a 3% chance of the most oh, aggressive infertility treatment ever working in your life. I mean, he literally was like, you're not even a candidate for IVF but or anything, God. Yeah, but God. And I remember just in that season, just being a million emotions. Cause I, we weren't even family planning at that point. Like we weren't even trying to plan a family. Mm. We ended up on this journey and then where we were confronted with like, well, great. Oh, well, what do we do now? <laughs> like we didn't even want to have kids for another three or four years, but yeah. we had so many families and friends that were in this journey already. And we knew it could sometimes take years. And so we found ourselves like in this tension of like, well, I guess we're moving forward, but that wasn't really what we had thought we would yeah. be doing in this season. And me wrestling through, you know, that kind of was the Pandora's box of like, what do I believe about motherhood? What do I believe about a working mother yeah. or a stay at home mother? And yeah. that was like a whole yeah. journey of itself. And I just remember just God going hope. I'm, you're going to be a mother. There was no like, mm. you're going to be a mother this way. You're going to be a mother that yeah, way. It yeah, was yeah. just, you will mother, you will be a mother. Hold on to my word. Just trust me. Just trust me. Yeah. And for us, it ended up happening naturally. It was crazy. I mean, I remember my doctor just being, it's impossible. <laughs> I was like, nothing's impossible with God. Right. What are you talking about? That's right. He specializes he specializes in the impossible. Yes. And so, you know, we ended up with two daughters in that same season. My parents are going through a divorce. So the highs and lows yeah. of watching God do literally the impossible yeah. and then watching my parents walk through a devastating divorce yeah. that had ripple if, if impact really, on my yeah. family. It was very, it was a very painful divorce. This was not just, just a clean, yeah. not that yeah. I think divorce is ever just a right. clean, but this one was excruciating. There was a lot of pain in this one and it rocked my faith. It rocked me in a way that I wasn't prepared for. Mm -hmm. And that was a whole other season. 
of having to, to really go, God, I don't understand like everything that I've believed up until this point and what I know about you and, and the wrestle of that. And the, and the, and God, can I just say God's comfortable with you wrestling? Amen. God is comfortable with your questions and just know that our faith and Jesus Christ and his word, it has been attacked since the beginning and it's still standing. Yeah. He can handle it. Yeah. It, it, I am the most confident (laughs) in the word of God. And then it will stand up against anything that you need to throw at it. And God in that season, that is really what led to the last seven years. I was 33. I was trying to manage, you know, and like this whole season of infertility. Then my parents go through this really painful divorce. Then I have two children, both are one and under, and I have postpartum depression. And I'm wrestling through all of my disappointment and all of my anger about my parents and things that I just see abroad. You know, it, it kind of was like the tipping point uh-huh. of like, well, now I see all this other stuff within the church. And I see all these other things within believers that like they say one thing, but they do another thing. Because some of the the, the breakdown with my parents' marriage was part of my dad kind of going through a really difficult journey of addiction Mm. and then that addiction leading him to some places where his stance and some things changed Mm -hmm. and the process of that. And that's a real unearthing when you're watching your father who has been the one who established your pillars of faith, a preacher daddy, a preacher daddy suddenly removing some of those pillars from his own life and that impacting. Right. So that then I'm starting to watch other people that I've, respected and listened to and I'm going, things aren't adding up. And, and let me just say, if you are building your faith or you are walking away from your faith on human actions, mm. then you've built it on the wrong things, right? Cause we're only meant to build it upon the words and the actions of Jesus Christ mm. alone mm-hmm. and no one else. Mm-hmm. That's where we get really confused yeah is when we experience human disappointment and human failure yeah and then we attribute that to god's character and nature and yeah. behavior yeah they are two separate things jesus was sent to redeem our broken behavior yeah. and our failures yeah and we cannot assign those moments of humans failing us yeah to jesus yeah they are not the same even though he came in flesh he was not a human he was god in flesh he was god incarnate there are two different things you and i we are not god in flesh (laughs) 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 but he was and so i think i really wrestled because suddenly i i was viewing god through the disappointments of my father yeah. through the, dis- through the pain of my father, through the, yeah. the anger of what I felt towards my father in that season, the unforgiveness that I had towards mm-hmm. my father. Mm-hmm. And it was like a cancer that ate alive inside of me mm-hmm. and it began to unravel me. And, at, you know, at 33, I ended up having like just a full nervous breakdown. Like I just, I went catatonic for three days, couldn't speak, couldn't talk, couldn't eat. I just went into this really dark, dark place. And my husband on the third day finally came in and he just said, okay, we're, we're going to check you into a hospital tomorrow. Cause he didn't know what to do. My, I mean, I was just, I was unresponsive. Oh my pastors were beautiful in that season. They were praying over me. I was just in such a dark, like a dark moment of the soul where I just, it was almost so, or I just shut down. Yeah. I just couldn't even yeah. process anymore. Yeah. And, and can I just say that Jesus met me in the darkest moment of my life. In my bedroom 
where I began to just cry out, just going, can you please just show up here? Yeah. Like, I don't even know what I need you to show up for. I need you to show up. Yeah. Then I'll never forget. I had one friend, she called me and I swear it was literally the Holy Spirit that led her to call me. And she just began to speak to some things that were deep in my soul that I don't even think I knew was there. Mm. And it broke me out of that like catatonic state to just enough to where I could literally lay on the carpet of my floor in my bedroom. And I was just face down. And that's when I began to say, God, just show up right now. Just please show up. And I felt the presence of God come in that room so thick and so overwhelming. And I remember just feeling like God said, Hope, we've been on this journey for a really long time and you love me. This isn't a question of whether you love me, but you've only known me as Savior and you've only known me as Lord, but you don't know my freedom. You don't know my healing to the degree that I want to give you. And if you'll let me, I'm going to take you on a journey that's going to bring you healing in a way that you've never experienced. And that's saying a lot because I had experienced a lot of freedom in Jesus and a lot of healing. That eating disorder, I didn't struggle with that after that point. Depression of like for years, like considering like, should I, I, you know, like my depression got really dark when I was really young at like from the ages of 12 to 16. And then a little bit at 19 where I contemplated like, do I even want to live? Is my life even worth being here? Like it got very dark in seasons. I didn't struggle with that. So like I knew freedom. I I knew what that looked like. So this wasn't freedom from behavior. This was freedom for my soul. Mm. This was freedom in my mind. Yeah. This was freedom in my heart that God yeah. was going after. Yeah. And the last seven years has been this incredibly beautiful journey of me walking hand in hand with Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit and moving from a place of Jesus isn't just this figure that I'm reading stories about. Yeah. And Jesus just isn't someone that I'm singing songs to on Sunday morning. But Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, has become my best friend that I actually do life with daily, that I actually talk to. I talk out loud to. Mm-hmm. Like, I actually talk out loud yeah. to Jesus. We talked We talked this morning. Yeah. <laughs> I say, like, my deepest thoughts, my deepest fears, my yeah. deepest anguishes. I, I've learned how to sit in the presence of God and allow him to actually come into the hardest, darkest places of my soul. Mm-hmm. And speak life through his word, through his presence. And look, I'm far, I'm far from perfect. I'm still deeply on this journey of sanctification. I don't think we ever get off that train. I don't think we do either. (laughs) But what, where I've come, where I've landed is everything that Jesus says he is, is true. Yeah. Everything he offers in his word is true. Yeah. If you will live in actual relationship with him, I'm not talking about a belief system. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the thing that I love about where it talks about in Hosea, about him being husband. Uh-huh. If I'm in relationship with you, that means we talk to each other. That's right. Right? Like yeah. that's how we, 
like our inner relationship. That is literally how we do relationship yeah. with yeah. people. Yeah. We actually we commune, spend time, with, we spend time with them and we communicate with them. <laughs> yeah. I can't be in a marriage. I mean, I guess you could be in a marriage. I mean, <laughs> this is a random like sidebar, but I just, there's this comedian that talks <laughs> about the movie Sixth Sense and he goes, why as people, did we believe that she just didn't talk to her husband for a year <laughs> faster than we believed the possibility <laughs> that maybe he was dead? <laughs> Valid point. I just think that's such a yes. funny comedian. Yeah. But not not to be sidebar, but it's like, but we can kind of like yeah. it's more logical to us, yeah, to almost like operate in relationship with Jesus where we don't talk to him. Yeah. But but I believe him. Yeah, I would say that's 95% of the Christian body. Right. And then we're frustrated. Yeah. Then we don't when we don't get the benefits of intimacy. Yeah. Well, guess what? Yeah. Intimacy actually requires Action. a relationship yeah. and a relationship happens through daily interaction, daily communication, actually being in a relationship together. And I really didn't learn that until the last seven years. Wow. Yeah. I, I was very good at following the tenets mm -hmm. of Christianity. Yeah. yeah. I was a terrible wife <laughs> with Jesus <laughs> and I've had to actually learn how to do marriage with Jesus, mm. be actually in a relationship, mm -hmm. in a committed mm -hmm. relationship. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Not just, Hey, we're hanging out here yeah. and I'm going to, I'm like going to just check in when yeah. I need something from you. Um, no, actually in a committed relationship yeah. where he can point out my failures and my flaws and the places where I hurt his heart yeah. and I offend him and I break covenant yeah. and then repent and actually then reap the benefits of being yeah. in intimacy with yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Like there's real fruit that comes, yeah. like there's actual fruit that comes yes. from that. What I love about your story is how obvious you have so many pillars of the sanctification process mm. and we all go through it, but I think it's probably just my age. I'm 36. And, you know, I think for those of us who come to faith at a young age, I was mm -hmm. also five. Yeah. asked Jesus into my life. I meant it. I believe I was saved. Yeah. It's, easy I think growing up in the church thinking like oh it's pretty easy to kind of get it all together and to know all the things I know all the scripture all the mm -hmm. theology and like mm -hmm. you can arrive pretty early in life and mm -hmm. there we go you know we'll just live another yep. 60 yep. 70 years and then go see Jesus and realizing now in my mid-30s like every decade every five years every two years every mm -hmm. year has something in it where if you will allow the Lord to, he will lead you into a season of greater intimacy with him. Yes. It always, I was going to say often, it always comes at a cost. Always. It often comes through suffering. Yes. Or loss, disappointment, disappointment. grief, but like Heartache. you were saying, dying, letting all of those things die. And I think that, I think people get confused about, you know, Paul saying, well, we have to work out our salvation in fear and trembling. Like, well, I thought once you were saved, you were mm -hmm. always saved. And mm -hmm. I believe that once you're saved, yes, you're always saved. I but I think that is a, that is the process of working out your salvation. It's, yes. it's the process of sanctification and yes. every day choosing, I am going to die to self and I'm mm -hmm. going to pick up your cross and I'm going to follow you where you yes. take me, not where I want to go, yes. <laughs> where you want to go. Something else I love about your story and we can shift to talking about the album Peace Be Still, but somewhere in your bio, it talks about 15 years that, I mean, you pretty much wanted to be an artist mm -hmm. your whole life and yeah. you were working in the industry as a songwriter, as a worship leader, but wanting to be an artist. And 
that what is the 15 year mark from? Is it from moving to Nashville? I mean, I know 15 years. I guess 15 years would be kind of the mark of when I actually like, well, 15 years ago is the first time God's actually really spoke to me and said, I've not called you to be an artist in this season. Wow. And I actually had to walk away from it. So wow. in 2005, I had just gotten married. So, so back up, let me just kind of give you like, I'll give you the real yeah. brief synopsis. Yes. Yeah. Wanted to be a singer from the time I came out of the womb. Yeah. So my whole life was like leading to that, leading to that, leading yeah. to that. At 19, I'm in college. I'm a music major at LSU. And then I have this radical encounter with Jesus. I end up moving to Nashville, not to be an artist, literally because I just wanted to be a part of that church that I really had this massive like shift in my understanding of being a follower of Christ. And so I was like, I just want to move to Nashville because I actually want to be a part of this church and I want to grow. Mm -hmm. And like, I actually want to do this for real. Like, I don't want to do this like half in half out anymore. Yeah. And so I think in the back of my mind, I knew like, this is Nashville, right? This is where people go and they do music. So that was definitely in the, in the part of the making the decision, but I really came so I could like figure out how to really be faithful, um, a faithful follower and of Christ. And so from that point on, it was like this simultaneous journey of like, I'm growing in my faith with Jesus and like how to walk that out with like real surrender and real abandon. But I'm also like kind of pursuing music, but not a hundred percent. Like I definitely was a little bit ignorant and unaware of like the work the sure. ethic that that takes yeah. and the discipline that that takes yeah. when you want to do something like that. And I do think there was a little bit of a like, oh, it's just going to happen, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Someone's totally. just going to hear me singing and it, they're just going to be like, hey, Sign lady, me. come sign this deal. Yeah. And so I had these moments, like I tried out for American Idol. I Ooh, didn't, yeah. I didn't make it past the first round. I had like different, like different moments, like career wise, where you think that's going to be the thing that opens the door and it just didn't yeah. happen. And this yeah. is now happened over and over and over. Yeah. I'm now 20. I've been on the road. I've been a road manager and a background singer. I come off the road. I get married and I think, oh, well, now's going to be the time. Like I, I pretty much know everyone in the, in the Christian industry yeah. or in the pop yeah. industry, kind of in the city. Not, I mean, I thought I knew everyone. I didn't Let right. me make that, right. but I thought, right. I know enough, you know enough people. I know enough yeah. people. People yeah. know who I am. Yeah. Like surely someone's yeah. just going to be like, Hey, Hope, let's just yeah. know, sign a deal. Yeah. You don't have to prove that you're like yeah. a hard worker or anything. It's just, we're going to give it to you. Um, that did not happen by the way, just for those of you listening. And I'm, I turned 25. And I'm in the car with my husband and I literally hear the Lord say, are you ready to bury that dream in the backyard of your heart? I'm like, oh, say what, Lord? Actually, no. (laughs) No, I don't think that's you. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I'm processing. I started processing with my husband and I was like, oh my gosh, I actually think God's asking me to not pursue this. And I don't know what to do. I'm 25 years old. I don't have a plan B. Right. But this is plan A. Backup. This is plan A. This is plan everything. Yeah. And I just, I remember I couldn't shake it. Like it literally was so palatable to me that I was like, if I pursue this, I'm going to be disobedient. Mm -hmm. And like, it was a real fork in the road. Like you're going to have to make a choice. And I just, I remember just being like, I can't do it. if God's telling me not to. Like I, I can't live with being in disobedience. Like I'm a real, like I just don't do that. It's not going to go well, by the way. It's not going to go well. Yeah. (laughs) So I ended up, I not. I, yeah. I literally don't pursue yeah. it. I get a 
little job at our bridal store. I go serve yeah. my church and I'm just like, I have no idea what I'm doing with my life. Yeah. Do I need to go back to school? Do I need to get it? Like, what do I, cause I dropped out of college. Yeah. So I was like, I literally don't have a degree. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. The long story short of that over the next year, I end up, God just through a series of events, I end up going on staff at my church as a worship leader and the administrator. And it was in that process that God really began to rewire my thinking. I had never considered being a part of ministry or the local church or in anything like that, that had never crossed my mind, which is crazy considering that I was a PK kid, grew up in this culture. I just, I only had my eyes set on doing commercial music. That's all I had ever thought about. So this was a real shift in thinking for me and a real dying to self. Like it really was me going, Oh my gosh, I don't think you've called me to be an artist. And so that was all I thought I would do from 2005 to 2013. That is all I did. I served at my church. I was just in a department leading worship, married, raising a family. I wasn't trying to like go pursue. I wasn't doing anything. I was barely, I wasn't even really songwriting. And then and by 2013, I'm like traveling the country. Just, I would just slowly get invitations to come lead worship at different places yeah. and different things. And so it's now 2013. I have kids, um, but issues of identity, let's just be honest. Sure. They still had not been dealt with sure. fully for sure. Yeah. And so the more that like I was getting asked to do things that felt really great yeah. and that felt wonderful yeah. and it felt like, Oh, like there's still a way for me to do the thing that I always thought I was supposed to do. Yeah. And, um, that kind of led me to the thought of like, Oh, well I should make a album, like a small little EP to be able to sell on the road. And I did, I made like this little four song EP, mm-hmm. check it out on the road. Well, then that only opened up more doors for me to go and do more conferences. And so we're in like the, we're in 2013 and I'm now going, oh, I should make a full record, like all independent. Like I'm not like no one's, I'm not signed or nothing. And I'm like, I shouldn't make a full record. That makes the most sense. Maybe that's the next season. Like maybe God's going to bring this thing back around. So I go down the process of making this record. I'm like eight, nine songs in, we're almost done. Sure enough, the Lord's like, um, no. (laughs) No lady. <laughs> That's your plan. Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice plan. Yeah. It's not my plan. Yeah. Wow. And I was like, uh, it was that same voice. Again, it was the same voice that again, called me. And here's how I knew it was the voice at five. It was the same voice that I, I, I'd come to know at 19. It was the same voice that I knew at 25. Yeah. And now this voice, because I'm, this is all the year of 33. This yeah. is that year that I also have the nervous breakdown. And God starts Mm. this journey of healing. Mm. So the more I'm healing, the more I'm going in intimacy with Jesus, Mm -hmm. the more his voice is getting louder and clearer and clearer and clearer in my life. And suddenly there is this chasm between the life and the goals that I had been kind of striving towards and what he's doing in my heart and the transformation that's happening. And this voice is becoming very familiar to me. Like I'm starting to question it less and less. Mm-hmm. Do you know that place of being yeah. like, is this you, God? Is this not you, God? Totally. Da, da, da. That is getting smaller and smaller and smaller to where yeah. the voice, like, oh, I know it's you. I know I, the tone of this voice now. <laughs> like I, I know yeah. when this voice speaks, this is you. Yeah. And it was in that year that the Lord was just like, it's, it's, it's your plan. It's not my plan. Yeah. And I mean, we're money invested. We're time invested. I'm dream invested. I'm yeah. heart invested. Yeah. I'm all the things. Yeah. And I'm just like, you gotta be kidding. Like, I can't, I can't not do what you're asking me. You're asking me to walk away. Yeah. You're asking me literally to not put this record out. Yeah. 
And it was devastating. Like, it was so devastating. It's embarrassing. You feel like all these kinds of things. But I knew. I knew mm-hmm. if I put this out, I'm literally going to be outside of what I think mm-hmm. you're, you're asking me to do. Yeah. And the risk, like, let's just say the I'm wrong. Too high. Let's like, I'm saying I'm wrong. And maybe that wasn't God. Yeah. Okay. Let's just throw that out there. Yeah. The risk of me moving forward versus me not doing it is greater. That's right. So I had a choice to make yeah. and I shelved that project and walked away from it. And I've just felt like the Lord in that season, he said, I need you to trust me. Mm. I need you to trust me that my plan is better and my plan is higher and it's going to make sense. Not right now, but this will make sense to you one day. You got to know this is years and years and years before peace be still before this record. This does not, this does not exist. This is not in the context. So don't think that I'm making this decision in the back of my mind, uh-huh. still going like, yeah, but I know something's happening yeah. down the road. Yeah. These things do not exist yeah. yet. Yeah. I'm not, I wouldn't have even called myself a songwriter. Yeah. At, and at that wow. point in my life. Wow. So what happened then over the next seven years was God just do this deep, 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 deep healing, deep work of freedom, this deep work of intimacy. What all that year just became year after year after year of me honing in and listening to that voice, that same voice that said, don't do this. This is your plan, not mine. He became my best friend. And so everything about my life became, what are you asking me to do? What are you asking me not to do? What are you, what are you speaking to me? What are you highlighting that needs healing? What are you highlighting that needs repentance? Yeah. What are you like, what are you saying? Yeah. And then I actually yeah. now live my life according to that. Yeah. And so in that season, there was nothing, anything that had been my identity got stripped. Yeah. In that yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't until year, a couple of years later that then through my, my shirts that we're still a part of, um, I began to write again. I began to really pour my heart out for my local church and still no aspirate. There's no aspirations of, I mean, maybe there was some deep down, I, sh- I guess I shouldn't be completely like there was an aspiration to at least use the gift that I felt like I had yeah. in some capacity, yeah. but I really had died to that thing yeah. as much as I knew how to die to it. I'll yeah. say it that way. Yeah. Cause there were definitely moments along the way where little things would prick and I would go, yeah. Ooh, maybe that thing isn't fully dead. Uh-huh. Um, but then in 2018, God began to really kind of redirect my steps mm-hmm. and it's a, such a long story, yeah. but, but long, yeah. but before I knew it, God just began opening doors that I wasn't pursuing yeah, at all. Yeah. Like, yeah. and then peace be still got written in that yeah. season. And then other songs got written in that yeah. season. And I fell in love with songwriting, which really had been a huge part of my journey. Um, and then suddenly I wasn't even pursuing anything and just honestly, like opportunity after opportunity mm-hmm. after opportunity was happening. God was reiterating the same thing to me, to my husband, to friends that were just kind of saying, I just keep sensing the same thing for you. I, it was getting confirmed over and over and over and over. And before I knew it, I woke up and I was like, oh my gosh, you've literally carved out a path for me to do this in a way now in this season where you're the star of the show. Mm-hmm. Like we've done so much work over 20 mm-hmm. years. We like I've had to learn over and over and over and over again that this is not about me being seen. Mm-hmm. This is about you being seen. That's right. So much of your story reminds me of Joseph, who is one of my absolute favorite stories Love in the Bible. I also happen to be reading it like literally right now <laughs> um, in my studies. But, you know, Joseph, God gave Joseph two really clear visions of being mm-hmm. in leadership over mm-hmm. his brothers, his father, his mom. And then 
of course, we all know the story too well. He's thrown into a pit by his brother, mm-hmm. sold into slavery. From that day that he was thrown in the pit to the day that his brothers come before him, when he's second in command of Egypt and they're, they don't know who he is and right. they've come because they need food, theologians, historians believe that's 21 years. Right. 21 years from mm-hmm. being thrown into a pit to being essentially him seeing the literal of the vision that God gave right. him, which who knows how long that was before he was thrown into a pit. I mean, right. we have no idea how old yeah. Joseph was then. So, so we're talking, but we know more it's at than least 21, 21. Yeah, years. More than 21 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that story. And we see that exact kind of story over and over and over and mm-hmm. over in the Bible. It's mm-hmm. the same in your life. It's the same in so many, I mean, really, truly probably all of us. Yeah. We may not be given extremely clear visions of what mm-hmm. God's going to do. Some of mm-hmm. us are, mm-hmm. but all of us, it takes years, sometimes mm-hmm. decades, because I think God has to take it. I mean, we, we look at the life of Joseph, how much he suffered wrongfully, not oh even because gosh. of his own sin. Yes. Granted, he probably shouldn't have told his brothers and dad that he was going to rule over them. Yeah, like that I was mean, probably a little like did not help him. But foolish just, arrogance. Yeah, that's but just immaturity. That's right. He was, he was young. young. That's right. He was just, he was right. zealous and he was excited. But beyond know? that, like <laughs> most of the time, Joseph found himself in, in years of suffering. Mm-hmm. For no guilt on his own part. Absolutely. But and, the and imagine, Lord, like, and like, I always think about Joseph and being like, can you imagine being like, but I'm actually, I'm like doing what you've called me to do. Like, yeah. I didn't sleep with the king's I'm wife. Like, I'm obeying you. Why is that yes. leading me then to persecution and judgment and yes. loss and grief? Yes. It's it's such a opposite of what we want the goodness of God to look like. Yes. Because the truth is, typically, we want the goodness of God to feel good. Yeah. I have more oftentimes experienced that the goodness of God yeah. has shown up in what wasn't good. Yeah. In my own heart, yep. in my own circumstances, yep. in my own mind. Yep. And there is this real journey of going, nothing about this is good. And can I still choose to believe that God is good yep. and that goodness isn't determined by my circumstance or my feelings because right. it's been in the moments of disappointment yeah. and heartache and yeah. loss where God has proven himself to be the most real. That's right. So I think that's true even like what you're saying yeah. for Joseph. Like yeah. what I love about Joseph is when his brothers actually end up showing up, he could have, like what tells you about the journey of yeah. Joseph is that is how he reacted. Yep. He covered their shame. Yeah. He made everyone leave the room so that no one would even know what they had done. He wouldn't let them go back and even tell their father. Could you imagine what their father would have done to them or felt towards them? Like he covered them. Like how many of us can say that we would cover the person that wronged us us the most? He clearly had reconciled. Yeah. The goodness of God That's and right. the faithfulness of God yeah. long before the circumstances had been made right. Yeah. On no matter what, we always read some passage of scripture. And I wondered if to end our time, mm. would you just speak some scripture over yes. those of us that are listening? Mm. Okay. I just love this. It's Psalm 91. Yeah. It's been like my verse through this whole season, but it's been my verse through a lot of seasons. I'll just read a little bit of it, but like he who dwells in the shelter of the most high will abide in the shadow of the almighty. I will say of the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper, 
and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his wings, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be a shield around you. You will not have to be afraid of the night or anything or any arrow that flies by you in the day or any pestilence that stalks you in the darkness or any destruction that lays waste at noon. A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not touch you. You will only look on with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked for you have made the Lord your refuge, even the most high your dwelling place. No evil will come near you. No plague will come near your tent for he will give his angels charge concerning you to guard you in all your ways that you will bear up in your hands that you will not be struck with your foot or that you will not be struck your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the snake and the lion and the serpent will not trample you because he has loved me. Therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him securely on high because he has known my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. And with long life, I will satisfy him and he will see my salvation. I feel like that has been the scripture of my life. Like I have watched God do that over and over and over. And what's funny is, you know, some people read that scripture and, you know, the parts where it says no plague will come near you or evil will come near you. They're going, but I've experienced evil. I've experienced sickness. I've experienced like, so where were you there, God? And I think when we read this scripture, we have to read it from the place of knowing like that even when in this fallen world, evil does touch us or evil comes near us that a it was never his intention that was never his plan and that he is always right there ready to rearrange and redeem and reconstruct what the enemy Mm -hmm. did and to honestly bring into that place healing and restoration Mm -hmm. and that he is faithful to do that and to remind yourself like this isn't god's promise yeah God has said, actually, this shouldn't touch me. This shouldn't come near me. And to recognize like that his nature is never for that. And I just, I love it. I mean, that everything about it, and I think it's been such a great scripture for obviously 2020. Um, But I just, I love that. But, you know, he delivers us, he rescues us, he remains faithful. And, you know, he's with us. So, Amen and amen. Hope Darst, thanks for being on the show. Y'all run, do not walk. Go listen to Peace Be Still. The album is going to move you. It's going to lead you to worship. If you're like me, you'll weep. (laughs) You're going to love it. Go listen to it. Hope, thanks again for being here. Thank you for having me. Before you go, I want to remind you about my book, The College Girl Survival Guide. If you have a college girl in your life that you want to encourage and love on, grab a copy of this book and send it to her with a handwritten note. I wrote The College Girl Survival Guide from my 10 plus years of mentoring and guiding over thousands of college women as I helped them navigate the transition from high school through college and beyond. This book is a culmination of all of those conversations and relationships, emails, and heart to hearts, and it contains the answers to the top 52 concerns of college women today. It's real, it's biblically based, and it's designed to help college women not only make the most of their college experience, but create habits that will propel them into their 20s and beyond. You can find the College Girl Survival Guide anywhere books are sold online 
or if you'd like a personalized copy that's signed by me and includes an art print that she can hang in her dorm room or apartment, you can buy it at hannahseymour.com.